You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, happy Father's Day. Um, I kind of, yeah, I want to I celebrate that. I want to... Um, affirm in this room some wonderful fathers, grandfathers, um, sons, you know, and uh, I didn't want to gloss over that. Equally, I wanted to acknowledge that for many, that today is a place of pain and and actually is really quite hard. And um, I, I know some people wouldn't even be able to come today. They just find the remembrance of that too, too difficult. And... Um, I wouldn't want to project that onto you, but that would be my story is my, my dad was an incredibly difficult guy and caused me a great source of pain. And um, I guess what, I, what it has become is the ability to just see Jesus and to know the love of the Father and be loved by the Father. And I, I pray that over you guys. I was just reading a moment ago. It says uh, in 1 John 3, it says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. And if nothing else, can they just be a reminder that we're, we're children of the King, we're sons and daughters of the, of the King. And I was also reading, um, it says in Galatians, But when the right time came, God sent his Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us, so that those of us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. No, you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. Phenomenal. Sons and daughters of the king. And I guess my prayer this morning is, whether that's a place of celebration or a place of pain, that we would reflect afresh that God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Would that be true for all of us? God sends his spirit into our hearts to cause us to call out Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, Dad. Let, let, let me just pray. Father, you are good for those of us that struggle to see it that way, to say it that way, to acknowledge it that way because of human and earthly pain. Lord, I pray that you would afresh this morning send the spirit of your son into our hearts. That we would see you as you really are and for who you've called and created us to be. Lord, more than anything this morning, would you just open our eyes to see Jesus. However we come, however long we may or may not have been coming if this is our first time in an environment like this lord would you open our eyes that we might see jesus shine the light of your truth on all that is said and shared this morning that we might see and know and acknowledge more of you amen well, we're, we're, we're in the middle of a series that I've been doing on um, the gifts, gifts of the Spirit. If you've missed previous weeks, I'd encourage you to catch it online. I think I'm, I'm speaking as part of a series. This will make more sense in the context of a series. But really, we're a church of activation. And my hope would be through doing things like this, we activate you. We're on the subject of spiritual gifts. We believe they're for everyone. 
We don't believe they're one-time permanent abilities, but these are passing touches of the Holy Spirit available to us all. They're just really little expressions of God's grace. And ultimately, this is, this, this is, these, these gifts are an expression of the, the grace of God at work in our lives, and they're developed in, in kind of climates often like this of a willingness to fail and a willingness to take risks. And I've been anchoring it around Romans 12. Some of you will be quite familiar with it now. Um, but I just, I just want to read it again so that we um, don't become distracted by anything else, but just reaffirm the, the word of God in our lives. It says this, Romans 12, uh, starting in verse 6, it says, In his grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take great delight in honoring each other. And today I want to I wanna focus in on verse 8. It says, if your gift is to encourage others. Sorry, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And hopefully um, this morning we'll be encouraging because we're going to speak about encouragement. Um, I, I don't believe any of the gifts mentioned in this passage are just for certain ones of us, as I mentioned a moment ago. I believe these are available to us all. They're gifts, and they're gifts not only for us to receive, but they're gifts for us to learn to give and to exercise. But without a doubt, there will be some of us that will have certain ones in our lives to a greater measure. But I want to encourage all of us to consider how we might step in further and step in more and understand what they are and learn how to, to fully exercise them. They're not just gifts that are bestowed on us. They're gifts that are given to us to give away. And as we give them away, we see often an increase and a multiplication of the potential impact of them. So this morning, as we talk about encouragement, I just want to look at three brief things. Firstly, encouragement for you, encouragement for each other, and then encouragement that comes from him. Now, hopefully, you're, you're up for that. That will make sense. Um, if not, I don't know, give it a few minutes so it's not obvious and go for a wander to the toilet or something. I, I, I say that jokingly, but I always hope we're in environments where there are people who are so kind of new to these environments of exploring Jesus that actually some of this takes a while to start to make sense. And you may be like, actually, I just need a bit of a... I do just need to wander down the corridor for a moment. I've not sat in a room like this for that long. I kind of hope we're always that kind of church where it's like, oh, we're, you're free to be what you need to be and you're just exploring him. Uh, anyway, I'm rambling. But the, the first thing is, this, this, this is for you. You know, my, my encouragement is, is that an encourager, I believe, is somebody who dares to dream and believe. I've, I've, I've kind of thought about this that this week and I, I think an encourager is somebody who dares to believe in somebody else and reaches into their life and dares to see gold that there is gold it might be buried it, it might be um, just lying dormant whatever it might be it's like I, I believe that there's gold in you and I'm going to seek ways to 
to, to dig it out. It might be the hurts or pains of life have covered it up. It might not be at all. It might just be that it's not fully activated. And encouragement is an incredibly powerful thing, not just with words, but in the way it's lived out in actions as well, not just among us, but as that's then shone and lived out in the, in the setting and the context of the world around us. It's an incredible... It's an incredibly powerful thing. I think the gift of encouragement is a gift to the world if we use it. And if it's lived out and it's spoken out, it's profound. It's, it's remarkable. Um, a friend of mine used to leave a cup of tea on the wall at the end of his drive on a weekly basis. A couple of cups of tea just lined up so whenever the bin men came, there was a cup of tea for them. And uh, it kind of took them a while to cotton on because I think they just thought he was a bit barking mad. But he'd line up these, these cups of tea and they, they soon cottoned on that it, he was like leaving it for them. And so they started to drink it and it, it kind of became a thing. So they, they would actually stop outside of his house and all jump off the lorry thing and, and have this cup of tea. And um, anyway, this, this progressed a little bit from just a cup of tea because it started to become a bit more of a relationship where they knew that he was going to do it. So it became a like, how many sugars do you have? Do you prefer coffee rather than just tea? Anyway, that progressed a little bit from just standing at the end of the drive, taking it from the wall to like, well, if it's raining, just come and stand in my porch, come and hang out in my, my hallway. And that kind of started to progress a little bit to like, well, a cup of tea is like bacon butty you know, uh, bacon balm for those of you that are true manx. Anyway, I, I love it. You know, the practical power of encouragement, the, the act of encouragement leads to the articulation of encouragement. And uh, he built a relationship through the willingness to take a risk and the desire to reach into somebody's life and say, I, I care about you. I'm for you. I want to I want to practically find a way that actually I can find a way to verbally say, I, I believe in you. I, I care that you're here. Anyway, that kind of isn't the half of it because what started to happen is the bacon butties became, well, let's sit around his table for a cup of tea and a bacon butty and have a chat. And it kind of got to the point where when he went on holiday, he'd leave them a key. And I'm like, that is a whole nother level. But also, he wouldn't just leave them a key, he'd leave them bacon in the fridge. So they'd help themselves to the bacon butty. And I'm like, man, alive, we are building relationship with people that naturally, you wouldn't necessarily have even given it the time of day. Now, I, I, I do think that is kind of another level, but I'm encouraged by it. I'm challenged by it. I think... Uh, don't go for the way. Sorry, I'll get, you highlighted it, so I've got to highlight it. Um, <laughs> our, our hearts and our actions, what we do and how we do it, has got to lead us to the lost. It's got to lead us to, to find creative ways to take responsibilities to create paths into people's lives. And um, sometimes we've just got to, we've got to think outside of the box of what that, that might be. We've got to been the constraints that would have been the constraints, see what I did there? Um, to, to kind of take responsibility to seek ways to encourage people. And for me, I was challenged by that because that isn't a natural relationship that you might build. But sometimes when we actually think about how can I be an encourager? How can I use the gift of encouragement? Every group, every setting, every person, I think, needs an encourager. You need to be around those that encourage you, not just at one-off times, but all the time. The value 
of encouragement is often missed because sometimes it tends to be quite a private thing. And I'd also say, I've, I've kind of experienced this in my life, that I think we often neglect to encourage the people closest to us. I don't know if you've ever found that. It can be easier to reach into somebody further afield, but the people closest to you, maybe um, families or, or, or children or colleagues, because it's a day-to-day -day routine thing, you don't often verbalize um, encouragement. You, you just start to sort of take it for granted. And in fact, most people need encouragement. Everybody, I'd say, needs encouragement. And often, when they, if they don't have encouragement, you, f you can feel incredibly alone in life. You know, there's a, there's a guy in the Bible, Joseph, who is such an encourager that he earned the nickname Son of Encouragement, or Barnabas, from the, from the Jerusalem Christians. Imagine being such an encourager that you actually become named for it. It's like your nickname is you are the son of encouragement. I, that's, that's phenomenal. I want to hang out with somebody who has that kind of mantle, that kind of depth of encouragement on their life. It's a gift, and it's a gift that we need to learn to receive, but it's a gift that we need to learn to give on, on all kinds of levels. Barnabas was drawn to people that he could encourage. He almost sought out environments where he could encourage people. What I find fascinating is when I look at Barnabas Bus in, in the Bible, wherever he encouraged people who followed Jesus, those that weren't following Jesus flocked to that environment and ended up giving their lives to Jesus. There's something remarkably powerful. It's encouragement, I think, is a kingdom weapon. It's something that extends the kingdom and invites people to know uh, part of the nature of God because it's a gift from God. So Barnabas's actions in the early church were, were, were kind of crucial. You could credit him for much of the New Testament because God used his relationship with Paul at one point and at another point with Mark to keep these guys going when they may have failed, where they may have run dry, where they may have given up. Barnabas did wonders with encouragement. So when Paul arrives in Jerusalem for the first time following his conversion, the local Christians were kind of skeptical is probably an understatement. They were highly reluctant to accept or welcome Paul because they, they thought his story was to trick or to capture the Christians because what he'd previously done is gone around beating them and, and killing them and yet he's had this remarkable encounter with the presence of God and has now started actually spreading the gospel and living out a life, a vibrant life for Jesus. It says this, here's, here's a bit of the story in Acts, Acts 9. It says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, so Saul is later called Paul, if that sounds confusing. Why are we talking about Saul? We're on about Paul. This is Paul. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they, they were all afraid of him. Of course they were. He's been going around killing them. So they did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. You can kind of only wonder what might have happened to Paul without Barnabas. Barnabas was the advocate. He was the one who reached in and said, I, I dare to believe. 
Your past doesn't define you. I dare to believe that there is gold in you that the, the Lord wants to release. If, if it, was a, it was a Barnabas who encouraged Mark to go with him and Paul to Antioch. Mark joins them on the first missionary journey but decided during the trip to return home. And then later, Barnabas wanted to invite Mark to join them for the missionary journey. But Paul wouldn't agree. So as a result, they partnered in different ways. They went their separate ways, Barnabas with Mark and Paul with Silas. It actually doubles the effectiveness of what would then happen. Barnabas's patient encouragement was a huge boost for the effectiveness of what Mark went on to do and how he lived his life. And Paul and Mark are later reunited in their missionary efforts. Again, you could give a lot of the credit for that to Barnabas and his encouragement. I, I think as I've reflected on afresh on the life of Barnabas, I think it kind of shows us how often we're presented with situations where somebody needs encouragement. People need encouragement. We're kind of crying out for it. We're, we're dry and it's like a water or river that floods in. And our tendency, I guess, through just how life weighs as a burden on us, is we often step into environments of criticism rather than encouragement. But I think we build people's trust through encouragement. We build relationship through encouragement. It's really important really important and it's not I'm not talking about um, just flattery I'm not talking about just using words cheaply because it's got to be sincere it, it's got to um, it's got to be consistent it's got to be faithful um, it's, it's kind of like I guess one way of describing it it's kind of like being a cheerleader I think you're, you're just you're cheering on you're, you're reaching in and saying do you know what I believe in the best in your life. Even if you don't see it, I believe it, and I want to cheer it on, and I want to champion it. I think that's what we see in the life of, of Barnabas. How, how can we become, how can you become an encourager? What, what would that look like to live that out more in your life, to be a believer in, in people, to be somebody who dares to believe that there's gold in somebody, and that through the through the presence of God in their life, that can be unlocked and that can be um, uncovered. The encouragement I would want to bring you today is the Father believes in you. We believe in you. We want to reach in with hope and, and love and, and dream for you for what lies ahead. Now, when you look back, it might not look like that. But when you look ahead, there is hope and there is more to come if you fully release yourself to what God wants to do in your life. So this, this is for you, I hope. The, the second thing is, this, this is for each other. We need, we need encouragement and we need to be encouraging. The fullness of encouragement, I would say, is often defined or emphasized or drawn out through community. We are defined as people in our individual identity and in our calling through loving and trusting relationships. Biblically speaking, who I am and what I stand for is not commonly discovered by myself or being my own project or revelation or in isolation from other people. It's just not found like that. The individualistic mindset that so often we see and is revealed in culture is that we see currently in a Western society is so alien to what we see in the Bible. 
the norms of the Bible are that my, my identity comes from the, the people to whom I'm part of and, and, and whom I belong. In our world where we're known for what we do or what we don't do, that's assumed to become who we are. We derive our identity and our significance so often from our work or from where we live or our, our current station in life, in life and relationships. And the, the, the relationship with God and the community we become part of or even our character hardly ever factor in that. It's hardly ever discussed. I think that's one of the main reasons you look around and so many people in society are lost and, and feeling this depth of insecure, insecurity because really our doing should come from our being and our being should come from knowing our identity and our grounding and our relationship with our creator. Paul kind of uses this language in the Bible. He uses the, the body metaphor. It's, it's incredibly powerful. We're connected to something wider. A finger finds out what it is and what it does because it's joined to a body. It's part of a function that is um, much wider than just itself. If we spend time in relationship together and if we yield to those that we're connected to, we start to discover who we really are and who he created us to be, not who we maybe have decided we are or others have told us that we are. We find our real selves in that environment of faith and trust, relationship and community, and we're empowered then to start to fulfill all that we collectively stand for. Now, honestly, I would say that sounds wonderful, but it takes time. It takes investment. It takes trust in ourselves to each other. Church really is a community where something is birthed in you and discovered, and it takes, a, it takes time for it to grow and to be equipped and to be empowered through the, the quality and the longevity of relationship and investment in each other. A child grows to maturity in and through family relationship. Now, you could say, well, that's not true. Well, actually, in society, I think we see a phenomenal breakdown of that. But that's how it's meant to be. In the environment of the church, a, a child, those young in their faith, should grow into the fullness of maturity through the family relationship. And we're, we're trying to hear what we're trying to do. Well, we're trying to build community. We're not just trying to have meetings. Meetings would be fairly pointless. We're trying to have relationship because that take the, the root of the soil that then we embed ourselves in and we place ourselves in relationships of self-disclosure and accountability. And we place ourselves in environments where we can be safe to be who we really are, to be open and honest without the fear of being judged or labeled or gossiped about or so psychoanalyzed, but just accepted and loved for who you are. But wouldn't you say so often we, we hide from that and we try and play games and we start to project what we think people will want us to be, to be accepted and to be known and loved. And it just doesn't need to be that way. I believe that the, the gift, because it is a gift, the gift of encouragement is one of the key components that reaches in and it dares to believe and unlock the mind and the heart in somebody else and allows healing and the healing of the presence of God to rush into our lives. And that's, that's really done through 
the realization that we do this together. This, this is a each other thing. Everybody wants to be around a Barnabas. I, I certainly do. And I, I want to be around an encourager. But for that, we also have to be the Barnabas. We have to be the encourager so that there are encouragers to encourage people. Encouragement isn't, it's not a fake thing. It's not over-inflating people. I think it's just a powerful gift that allows the presence of God to flow into people's lives. You know, a little while ago, actually quite a while ago, I was hanging out with this, with some friends and their, their families, and we were kind of in a room like this, but it was more of a, it wasn't a room like this at all. It was, um, it was a sports hall, um, and it's got basketball nets, and I, I never forget it because there's this little lad, I'm never good at ages, but he's little, you know, I don't know, he's like five, something like that, and um, he came up to this basketball net with a basketball, and you could see him, like, working out. I'm going to take the shot, and I'm going to nail it. And um, he, he, he's, I don't know, he's, he's little, and these things are, I don't know what they are, like 10 feet, something like that. And he's looked around the room, and he's trying to get a hint of enthusiasm. Who's going to cheer him on? Who's going to back this lad to take this shot? And uh, he looks at his mum, which is probably a safe bet, and she's like, you're never going to do it. And I'm like, oh, gosh, you've just crushed that lad. And um, the, you could see, like, on his face, you know, like a five-year-old, they're, they're up or they're down. Like, the life just drains out of him. And um, anyway, he's, he's, like, small and the net's big, and he takes the shot. And um, I, I love that he took the shot anyway. I'm like, good on you. Like, you, you're going to do it, although you're not. And um, all logic was, was against it. And uh, he threw the ball towards the basket. And the ball just, he's like five. Like, it just kind of, it didn't even go up at all. It just fell out of his hand and kind of just plummets down. And um, what I love, though, is he didn't actually notice where the ball went because he was looking at the net. Because he's thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this. Now, I'm stood behind him. And uh, I had a basketball as well. And I took the shot. And I nailed it first time straight in. And... Um, he then turns around and he looks at me and because he saw two balls on the, on the ground. And guess what he says? He's like, you missed. <laughs> get in. And um, I obviously did, didn't leave it too long. I don't, I'm not into like tricking five-year-olds and like faking life that he can take the shot. But I, I thought it was an incredibly powerful thing because there's this moment of belief. He's looking for belief. He's looking for people who would champion him. And in that moment, you, you've kind of got the realization of we need encouragement in our lives. It's not that it always works out well. It's not that you always, we're not trying to fake something and overinflate somebody's confidence to believe they can do things they can't do. But all he really needed was just a champion. He needed somebody who'd stand with him and say, you know, I'm I'm in. And, and some of you, some of you will have not had that in your life. You will have not known that. You will have not experienced encouragement in your lives. I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I, I would say that of my relationship with my own dad. I, I wouldn't say I just didn't have encouragement. It was absolutely non-existent. And actually where I did have dreams and I did have desires, often he was like the, the big pin to the balloon not just gently deflating it, but absolutely popping it and destroying it. And now, what's really important, and I, I really pray the Spirit of God stirs that in here today, 
is you've got to go again. You've got to take that shot. You've got to see that basket and just take the shot. Don't be, don't be cold. Don't be shut off. Don't shy away. Don't um, fail to receive this gift and give this gift that God wants to embed in your life just because of prior experience. Don't shut off and protect yourself because you've had to protect yourself before. If encouragement is a gift, which it is, you can bet the enemy in many of you will have tried to kill and to destroy it because that's what he does. That's his role is to kill and destroy it and uh, to try and kill and destroy the potential um, and the fullness of that 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 could be when it's empowered in your life. Encouragement is a gift to each other. We need to, to give the gift. We need to encourage each other. So it's for you, it's for each other. The final thing is it's from him. This, ultimately, this is, this is from him. Not only does he give the gift, he is the gift. He is the encouragement and he seeks to bring and to embody it. It says in John 14, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. You know, the word translated advocate, it says, the passage says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The, the word translated advocate combines the ideas of comfort and counsel. It could also be translated comforter, encourager, or counselor. The Holy Spirit is a powerful person working on our side, working with us and in us to encourage us. Some, sometimes I think we've got to ask ourselves, where do you get your encouragement from? Because we, we all need it. What is it and who is it that keeps you topped up more than topped up? What's the river that is overflowing within you? It, it can't just be the role of life, waiting for the next paycheck or the next holiday, the next mountaintop experience that allows you to survive in the, the mundane dullness of the valley of life. It's got to be more than that. Well, the ultimate source and provider of encouragement is the Holy Spirit. It's the advocate living within us. We've always said that we wanted this church to be an environment and a culture that leads people into life, the fullness of life. Personally, I've always been a champion of loving people into life. I, I think it's way better than beating people into life. You know, mo most of you... I certainly do. I, I know I've got stuff in my life that I need to deal with and work on. Sometimes having that quite forcefully pointed out isn't always the most helpful thing to have. Ultimately, if we encourage people to see more of Jesus, he'll sort the stuff out because that's what he does. He's the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth. He'll lead you into truth. I think there's a fine line in the interaction that we have with people because you can't have truth without love and you can't have love without truth but ultimately it's the spirit of God that convicts us of our sin at times of course I think I've, I have I've given people permission and I certainly would want to take that if other people gave me permission to speak into their lives but ultimately we've got to be the champion of people not the critic of people too much of culture already puts us down compares us belittles 
you know, you see people who try and stand on others to get somewhere themselves. That's not a reflection of what the Spirit of God wants to multiply among us. So John in the, in the book, in the Bible, is full of truths about the Holy Spirit. And he says a few things. He says this in John 14, he will never leave us. Further on in the same chapter, the world at large cannot receive him. He lives in us. He teaches us. He reminds us of Jesus' words. He convicts us of our sin and shows us God's righteousness and announces God's judgment on evil. He guides us into truth and gives us insight into future events. And he brings glory to Christ. The Holy Spirit has been active from the beginning of time but after Pentecost he came to live in believers and many people are unaware of the the Spirit's activities but to those who hear Jesus' words and understand the Spirit's power the Spirit gives us a whole new way to look at life John 14, 18 when Jesus said I come to you he meant it Jesus ascended to heaven and he sends his Holy Spirit to live in us as the advocate, as the, whole, as, the, as the encourager. Now, why am I going completely off on a tangent speaking about the Holy Spirit, not talking about encouragement? Well, I believe a way of looking at encouragement or the encouragement that God wants to speak into our lives is that what he wants to do, part of what encouragement is, is to speak truth. It's to reveal truth. That's kind of what encouragement is. It's why when I started, I said what we're really doing is daring to believe. Daring to believe is really just speaking truth. That's the heart of receiving and knowing the encouragement that he speaks over us. To bring the gift of encouragement is to dare to believe in somebody else to see the goal because all you're really doing is speaking truth. When I seek to encourage someone... I'm really just trying to speak out the truth of Jesus over their lives to affirm in them what God would want to affirm and loves about them and believes in them and that their identity is found and rooted in him. That anything, therefore, in their lives that doesn't align with that truth, he'd want to lead them into truth. He'd want to reveal the character and nature of who he is. And, and I think he draws us and beckons us towards it. Jesus said he only wanted to do what he saw the Father doing. And that's, that's really our mandate. That's what we want to do. We just want to do what we see the Father doing. We're less trying to bring this like positive, um, flattery, over-inflatory kind of language. We're, we're just trying to speak out and call out truth in other people's lives. He's the encourager that leads us into the best place that we could be, into the fullness of life, unhindered, unshackled relationship with him. And the, the story of the vineyard as a church movement, I would say, has always been driven by the reality that we're a people that eagerly, eagerly desires to experience his presence and then to partner with him in showing that love to the world around us. We believe that the Holy Spirit distributes gifts among us, enabling us to encounter his presence personally and corporately, and then to share that and to express that to the world around us in the power of the Spirit. So our job is that we learn to understand and discern what the Holy Spirit is doing and give him freedom to move in settings like this or other environments. 
And as a community of the Spirit, we're constantly looking to see what the Spirit of God is doing in somebody else's life. That's kind of the, the key to this. We're just trying to encourage, we're just trying to call out truth in each other's lives. So in a setting like this, I'd constantly encourage you, find moments where you can be open to all that the Holy Spirit wants to do in you because he longs for it. He longs to be your advocate. He longs to be the encouragement in your life. We believe that we can learn and grow in our capacity to, to discern the Spirit's activity all around us. Now, to do that, we cultivate an awareness whereby we're always just seeking to do what the Father's doing. So when we see Jesus at work in someone's life, whether it be a neighbor whose heart is softening to him or a colleague who is starting to react to the, the light and the life that you carry, we want to be really quick to partner with what the Spirit of God is doing in that person's life. Now, we're, we're huge believers in, we don't want to just talk about this. We actually want to do it. We want to learn to and receive encouragement and then learn to give that encouragement on and pass it on to others. So the, the context, I would say, for encouragement kind of sits with the gift where we talked about prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14 says, those of you that prophesy it needs to be for the encouragement, the strengthening, and the comforting of another. If it isn't, kind of don't bring it, would be my thoughts. I think that's quite a good guide for encouragement as well. It needs to encourage, strengthen, and comfort and comfort if it doesn't kind of don't bring it because if it's not encouraging don't bring it it's not going to be helpful but let, let me let me just try and tie this together i wanted to give you some specific examples and um paul writes this in philippians he says every time i think of you i give thanks to my god whenever i pray i make my request for all of you with joy for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about christ from the time you first heard it until now and i am certain that God who began the good work in you will continue this work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel about you as I do, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. You know, I, I read that and I think Paul never used a worn-out, generic encouragement. He's not just recycling something. His words are, speak to a specific need and they speak a specific love for a particular people and they communicate a hope and something um, remarkable about their, their future. Encouragement has got to be given sincerely. It's got to be given personally. I'd say, as Paul has here, sometimes it's got to be given publicly. It's got to be given frequently. I, they're, they're all the things that I would take from this passage in Philippians. I think that's how we did it. It was sincerely, personally, publicly, and frequently. It's not just words among us. There should be almost a creativity of encouragement that comes 
uh, in environments like this, you know, cards, flowers, thoughtful texts, whatever it might be. I think as well, I'd, I'd encourage us, don't neglect words. Sometimes we lean to the other things, but sometimes you just gotta speak truth over people, the encouragement of God over people. We should find ways to, to express this encouragement to each other and then let it leak out to the world around us because this is an expression of the grace of God. It's a sign to people. It signposts people to, to who are yet to know, yet to hear, or yet to respond to the to the truth of Jesus. For some of you, I, I want to stretch you. I think you need stretching on this. What's the equivalent of the 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 guy leaving the cups of tea on the wall? You know, how are you going to creatively start to find environments to let the encouragement of God, that is a gift to us, be a gift to the world around us? What? It's not that you may do that, but what similar things will you create relationship with people where you can speak truth, you can call out truth in people's lives? Let me just finish one more example. Two Thessalonians, Paul says this, dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships you're suffering. And God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you're suffering. In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. You know, encouragement is it's oxygen for the soul, I would say. Everyone needs it. We live better lives in environments where we receive it at all times, but particularly when you're under it, which is kind of what is the case of the church that Paul is writing to here. They're in a hard time and a hard season and they need encouragement. And Paul gets it and he speaks in truth and encouragement. In his letter, he tells his friends how much he boasts about them all over Asia. He deliberately hands out encouragement. It costs him, I would say, so little but he gives it so deliberately and it's so rewarding. For Paul, again, in this passage, as with others, I think it teaches us a few really clear things about encouragement. Firstly, it's personal. He told them personally how much he believed in them. It wasn't a generic thing. It's like, I, I believe in you. I'm for you. I can't help but thank God for you. It's, it's pointed. He told them specifically. It wasn't like just a general thing. He's like, this is what I see. This, this is what I really appreciate about you. Again, with the previous passage, sometimes I think we neglect this. It was public. Sometimes I think it's important we publicly speak out over people. He told the other churches how much he thought of the Thessalonians. And then finally, it was, it was purposeful. Do you know how long it took me to come up with M4, beginning with P? Too long. But um, anyway, it was purposeful. He aimed for like this motivational, it's a cheering on. It's like, it's the calling out. It's I see gold in you and I just want to call it out. Encouragement is a gift. It's a gift that we receive freely and it's a gift that as we extravagantly give away, it grows, it multiplies and it affects the lives of those around us. Why don't we stand? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.